All right. Well, welcome to What Works. I'm your host, Tara Gentili. What Works is all about talking to small business owners who have been there, done that, and are still doing it every day to find out what's actually working for them. We want the nitty gritty on the who, what, why, and when of how they do it. Our goal is to connect you with the creative thinking, innovative approaches, and outside the box strategies that help you figure out what actually is going to work then for you. Today, I'm catching up with Michelle Fifus for a special live episode. Michelle is the creator of Pattern Observer and the founder of the Textile Design Lab. After leaving her corporate textile design job in 2010, Michelle wanted to keep her momentum going, stay up with the trends in industry news, and keep track of her inspiration and resources. So she created the blog, Pattern Observer. Today, Michelle is a successful textile designer who's worked with such clients as Lucy Activewear, Columbia Sportswear, Janssen Swimwear, Pendleton, and P&B Textiles. On her blog, she continues to write about business and textile design and her membership community, the Textile Design Lab, offers learning and networking opportunities to hundreds of designers worldwide. Michelle Fifus, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Tara. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm so excited to catch up with you and find out how your business has evolved uh, since the last time we talked. If you're not already familiar with Michelle and her story, uh, go back into our archives and look for our previous episode with Michelle. But if you're here with us for today's special live episode here on Crowdcast and you've got a question for Michelle really at any time through this conversation, uh, if you want to find out what's working for her in her business, ask about a particular aspect of her business that I'm I'm not asking about, use that ask a question button at any time to join the conversation. It's right under the video area. Uh, you can type in your question there and I will get to as many as I can during this live interview. So Michelle, let's start off with how Pattern Observer has grown since the last time we've talked to you. Uh, what have you been up to over the last year or so? So over the last year, I've really been trying to simplify. That's been kind of the name of our game is simplify and streamline our business. So our membership site, Talking Numbers, I think has grown by about 200 members since nice. we last spoke. So we've had a lot of growth and we have simplified the products that we're offering and the ways that we're working with designers. So we're no longer offering workshops. We really kind of went all in with our membership site. Um, and so that's what we've been up to, just trying to streamline the business as much as possible. Can you walk us through the process of actually doing that streamlining? What did it look like to, you know, did you kind of rip the Band-Aid off when you stopped offering those workshops? Or was it a gradual process of, of streamlining things? It was really a gradual process where I slowly started realizing that I don't have time to do it all. I was just mm -hmm. trying to do everything, teach workshops and a la carte courses and the membership site. And I was so stressed out and exhausted. And I felt like I wasn't really doing anything really well at that point. Um, I felt like I was letting some of our customers down, which I, and I hate that feeling. So I thought something has to go. So we had the membership site and I love that model so much. I love our community and I love being in the site. So I slowly started taking a lot of our workshops and bringing them into the textile design lab and no longer offering those as standalone kind of workshop experiences. Um, so it was a slow progression and the more courses or workshops I moved into the lab, the happier I was. And I noticed, <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, I noticed things were just so much easier. And so I kind of continued with that. 
um, and we're sticking with that model today. That's awesome. Tell us more about the experience then at the Textile Design Lab. What does someone first encounter when they join? How do they join? What does that look like? So we are a online membership community of about 650 designers right now. Um, we've been working on improving our onboarding experience. Um, communication is not actually one of my strengths. So I tend to be like, here's the site. Welcome. You know, find your own way. Build your own you. path. Because I'm just kind of that personality type. I don't like people telling me what to do. But mm -hmm. I've learned that a lot of people do really like to be walked through the process. Um, so we're working on that. And we recently launched a new series or sequence of courses that you can work through. So we have our recommended core courses that we recommend everyone works through, even if you're slightly more experienced. And then we have our more advanced courses and tutorials. Um, we have guest experts who come into the lab once a month. And I think what the most important feature of our site is our private forum. So we have a private forum where you can upload your artwork and get feedback and mm. have your artwork critiqued. And that's really the most important component of the site because working on your own is great and you learn so much, but having an expert look at your artwork and say, hey, this could really be more amazing if you changed X, Y, or Z is just so beneficial. And the designer learns so much faster that way than if they were working on their own. Oh, awesome. And you know, I totally agree with you on the like peer feedback thing and, and the importance of that and connecting people together. And I also know that a lot of times that's not a huge incentive for buying something. So I'm curious if in your experience, uh, do people see the value of that private forum when they join or are they buying or are they buying into the community for the courses and kind of staying for the forum? What's what's your experience there? I think that's exactly what happens. People don't realize or recognize that they need that type of feedback or they're craving that type of feedback until and I also think people don't believe us, honestly. <laughs> yes. when, they, when we say, hey, we're in the lab and we're giving you feedback, I think they're like, okay, I've that or whatever, no one's going to ever get back to me. Um, but then once you see people posting, and I think it also takes people a little bit of time to get comfortable enough to share their work in the community. And then once they post and they get feedback, that's when we hear, oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, I'm loving this. I feel so much more motivated and focused. And like, I finally know what to do. And we really, I see a sense of relief in the designers are like, oh, finally, someone's giving me these tips. And I'm really starting to see um, very rapid growth and improvement of my artwork. I love that. Relief is another sort of, that's a, a metric that we kind of use too, is like when people come in and they say, oh, I'm so relieved to have found this. It's like, yes. That's a success. <laughs> awesome. So I, I love that you use that that same word and that same feeling as 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 a way of quantifying what it is that you're doing. Can you walk us through the process of how people actually end up joining the lab? What does your marketing system behind the lab look like? So we have um, we blog posts that talk about what's going on in the lab. Of course, social media. We're on all the normal social media platforms. We also have. I used to be really big on sales funnels. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> so I built over the past couple of years, I've built many different sales funnels um, for different 
concerns that people have when they're in our industry. So we have a sales funnel for pricing. We have a sales funnel for getting inspired and getting creative, um, touching on those different pain points, and those all leave in, lead into the lab. So previously, you know, the pricing funnel would leave, lead into a pricing course that we had, but we updated all the funnels. So now they all lead into the textile design lab. Gotcha. Okay. And you said you used to be really big on funnels. Are yeah. your funnels still working? Are you not excited about them anymore? Tell us more about yeah. this used to. <laughs> um, they are working well, I believe. Um, I'm not great at tracking those sorts of things. No, it's not good, but that's okay. It's okay. Honesty is important. <laughs> um, I'm just, I don't need to build any more funnels. Gotcha. I think I have the funnels. It's great that I put the work into building those and I no longer need to keep adding on more funnels. I need to keep simplifying. It's just a constant exercise for me because I tend to love to just try new things and um, do, give myself a lot of work. So I'm trying to work on no longer doing that. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that then too. But I want uh, there was actually a question from Leslie okay. um, about the software oh. that you use for the textile design lab. Can you kind of tell us what your stack is, so to speak, um, for the lab, how you manage the private forum, oh, sure. what that's built on, uh, the different components. And she asked specifically, have you thought about using Mighty Networks or something like it for your group? Um, but really, I just I would love to hear more about what you've built it on and why you've chosen those those pieces. Um, so my situation's a little different in that my husband, Ken, is a software engineer. Ah. So <laughs> he does all that. And um, he likes to build and tweak his own systems. So we use WordPress. We use the Paid Membership Pro plugin for the membership site. Um, we use BuddyPress, which he has kind of hacked and changed for the forum. Um, we use Stripe for our credit card payments, uh, PayPal. I'm not as great with the software. We use Zoom for our webinars, and those sorts of events. Nice. Awesome. No, that gives us a pretty good idea of, of what your setup is. Um, just because you mentioned it and just a yeah. quick aside, uh, Stripe versus PayPal. Have you seen any changes or trends with that in the last couple of years? I know there's a lot... Whenever I talk about using Stripe, people give me a lot of pushback oh. on, well, PayPal is what people want. PayPal is what people want. And I say, no, it's not. It's really okay. They're used to using their credit yeah. cards. And I'm just curious what your feedback is we on that see, or what your experience. We're actually seeing more Stripe payments. It used to be all PayPal. Mm -hmm. And then it was 50-50 for a while. And now we're seeing actually more credit card payments than PayPal. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I was just yeah. curious. Um, so you've talked a lot about streamlining. You've also talked about reducing your own personal workload. Um, and you mentioned that uh, to me earlier that one of the things that you've also been streamlining is your team. Right. Talk to us about how your approach to finding the right people to work for you and making sure they're in the right roles has changed over the last couple of years. Um, so this kind of ties into my poor communication skills where I recognized that I do not want to manage a large team. I'm just not that great in keeping up those relationships, which need to be so strong. And that's just not what I want to spend most of my day doing or learn how to improve those skills. Um, so we have 
narrowed down our team. We currently just have my husband, Ken, does the websites and also runs our help desk. And we have Chelsea Von Heslin, and she is our studio manager. And she also manages a lot of the aspects of our membership sites. Um, I work with a freelance editor. So newsletters, blog posts, I just write them and then send them to her. And that's really our team now. And we also have a group of designers who check our Textile Design Lab forum twice a day. Um, And so they're part of our team, but they really have very active, busy design careers. So there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of um, hand-holding there. They just log into the forum. They know what they're doing. They're professionals. um, And so that really works out really well for us. Nice. And so then are Ken and Chelsea employees of the company? No, they're both contractors. Okay. And they both would prefer to stay that way. So that's (laughs) what we're doing. Gotcha. I was just curious. Awesome. Um, All right. So another thing you told me that you've streamlined is how many new things you're trying. And you've hinted at this a little bit uh, as well. So what's as you've noticed that you know you want to try less and less and less new stuff and focus really on what's working what's sort of been your personal barometer for whether a new trend or a new idea is worthy mm-hmm. of you actually experimenting with it or pursuing it so when i have an idea which i'm like most entrepreneurs you constantly have ideas and want to try new projects and different things um i used to just go full force into all those ideas, really just take the time to explore them. Now I tend to sit back, think more about these ideas. I think about how they'll affect our team in my day. I think mm. about how they'll affect our profitability. I never used to look at profitability. It was all just income, um, you know, how our numbers were doing for that month. I've gotten much better at looking at expenses and realizing that all of these fabulous ideas that I have cost us money. And so I need to... <laughs> I need to keep those under wraps. Um, And so I really, and I'm also trying to feel, you know, what is my instinct telling me about these ideas? And if it's something that I'm going to take on personally in my schedule, then what else has to go? Because there's just no, I'm done with the like working late nights and working weekend um, type of schedule. So something's going to have to leave my schedule in order to bring something on. So I just think Mm. about how all that's going to work. I love that. And uh, I see Sean Fink is saying that you're you're her personal hero on boundaries right now. So <laughs> kudos to you on that as well. Um, I'm curious, you know, hearing you talk about no more weekends, no more late nights. You know, a lot of us start our businesses with those weekend hours and oh, those yeah. late night hours. And I wonder, just kind of looking back, and obviously this is a completely hypothetical question, but knowing what you know now about how to run a business, what you should be looking at, what is productive, do you think you could have, or maybe if you were to start something new, Mm -hmm. do you think you could get it off the ground without those weekend hours or those late night hours? Or do you think that that's sort of part of what starting a business entails? I think a lot of it depends on if it's something that you're doing in addition to your full-time job. You know, that's what, that's such a big component is if you have your full-time job, then yes, you, I, and I encourage designers, you know, to work at night and work on the weekends if they're growing that side business, because that's mm. really the only way to do it rather than just 
leaving your full-time job and leaving that income source um, to just kind of start a business and explore it seems really risky and dangerous to me. So I think there's times when you do have to work at night and on the weekends. And I mean, I say that I don't, but of course I still do sometimes work nights and weekends. Um, But I'm just trying to do a lot less of that. But yeah, I hustled for years. And I wonder that too, like, did I need to go through all that? I made so many mistakes and I learned mm-hmm. so much through those years um, that I think it kind of seasoned me <laughs> and has, you know, put without going through those experiences, I don't know if I would be as strict on my boundaries as I am now. Gotcha. So it sounds like then, and I love that answer and the clarity that you have around, you know, there's sometimes you're doing a full-time job and you're growing your business. And I think even when you are 100% in your business and you don't have an outside full-time job, you have sort of the full-time job of your business and all of the other activities that you're responsible for. And that's where a lot of the late nights and the weekends come from. So I'm guessing that that means one of the reasons you've gotten so good on boundaries is because you actually really understand what your full-time job is between Pattern Observer and the Textile Design Lab. So can you Actually, what is your role? What is your full-time job in your company? Can you describe that for us? Yes. And I've, this is something I've really been working on is trying to step into this role mm. because I found a lot of the actions that I was doing and a lot of the jobs I was giving myself were kind of because I wasn't ready to really accept that I am running this business and I need to be the visionary for it. And Um, I think for a while I was hiring a lot of consultants and working with a lot of people because I was too scared to step into that role. Um, And that now I really need to be the generator of the ideas and I need to be the filter for deciding what we need to do Um, and just kind of making it all happen. And also something that's so important is really staying in touch with my community. Like I need to be in the textile design lab multiple times a day listening to these designers, working with the designers. One, it's inspirational to me, but also it keeps me in the loop on what's going on because you can't just totally separate yourself from your community and still know what they need and how you can help them. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit now, and I want to talk about uh, a partnership that you told me about uh, where you are working with a trade show on writing their monthly newsletter. Correct. Yeah, correct. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? But most importantly, how did that gig even present itself to you? <laughs> so they called me up. Um, nice. Surtex wanted to meet. So this is Surtex. It's the uh, leading art licensing trade show in, and it's held in New York City every May. And I knew of the show. I had never been to the show. I really respected the the work that they were doing. And they called me up, and I thought that we were going to talk about maybe a blog post feature or something like that. And then they said, like, to manage our newsletter. And at first, I mean, I was kind of shocked and said, I need to spend some time thinking about this. And then I went to my quick, no, I don't have time for this. How will I manage this? This is going to be too much. And then I started thinking, okay, well, how can I make this work? How could I arrange this situation so that it's not, um, taking so much time because as you all know, so many of these projects seem so simple. Oh, a quick newsletter, not a big deal. And then it just slowly eats away at all of your time. Yes. <laughs> um, and so we, so right now I'm working with, I know Lacey Boggs, who I think you spoke with last week. Yes. Um, she, I've known her for years and I've been wanting to work with her 
like trying to find an excuse to work with Lacey. And so when this opportunity came up, I was like, yes, it's finally here. Um, so I talked to Lacey and her, one of her writers, Marie, actually helps me to write the newsletter for Surtex each month. We brainstorm ideas and do interviews together, um, pile the newsletter, and then I submit it to Surtex for approval. And so that's been going really well. It hasn't added too much work to my workload um, and has brought so many benefits to our business. Oh, that is so cool. I was so, so thrilled to hear about that. Um, and thanks for breaking that down for us. I'd like to actually go into it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, because to me, partnership opportunities and the strategy around partnership opportunities is really fascinating. Um, what uh, what kind of boundaries or what kind of container or context did you put into the strategy for this partnership to make sure you were getting the most out of it, out of it for your own business mm-hmm. and that you weren't just sort of like a hired hand that Surtex brought in um, to write the newsletter? Right. Um, I had very little experience in coming up with partnership ideas and things like that. And actually, Sophie from Clickworthy really mm-hmm. helped me kind of lay out this plan or things that I should request as part of the partnership. Um, So I am attending the show in May, and we have our own booth that they have been so kind to to provide us with. Um, So we're actually taking Textile Design Lab member artwork to the show in May. So it kind of all comes full circle, which is awesome. And uh, I've been also lucky enough that the show has just been amazing to work with. They're all very busy. Um, so there's not too much back and forth there, you know, quick revision here or there. Um, they're really helpful in providing me with information and um, feedback that I need. So that's worked out really well. Um, but I think in terms of coming up with a partnership, just thinking about how it, how you can get more exposure for your business. I mean, landing in someone's inbox each month is such a personal way to connect And so I think that's just been invaluable. I mean, it's been awesome to get had this basically, you know, introduction to this new community um, that we've been able to explore. That's absolutely incredible. I'm so happy for you on that one. It's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, You mentioned also to me that you were putting, and and you've talked about it a little bit here already as well, that you're putting less emphasis on sort of fast growth Mm -hmm. and more on profitability and just sort of optimizing the operations that you have and what it is that you're offering and making your customers feel super seen and heard and understood. Um, And that's got to affect the way you kind of track your success and what metrics you're really looking at. So can you walk us through what are you looking at on a weekly or a monthly basis to make sure that you're on track to meet your goals and maybe, you know, have your goals changed? What, how are you quantifying your goals now? Um, I've become much looser with my goals. I also have a tendency to set uh, really over the top goals, um, enormous goals, because it used to drive me. Um, but I'm very driven. I don't need any extra motivators. I realize I love you know, that. I don't need that extra pressure on myself. Um, so I've set more attainable goals and just slowed down the amount that I wanted to grow. So when we have something like the membership site, it's so easy to scale it. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to double our numbers. It wouldn't really take that much. We would have to pay a little more for Linode and maybe 
you know, do certain things like that, but it's not going to take a lot to scale it. So it's really tempting to want to grow it super fast. But what I found was I was just investing so much money in rapid growth and I was never actually seeing that rapid growth. And I became, I felt less attached or engaged in the community community because I was spending more time on marketing and funnels and less time mm. on artwork and patterns and the designers that I love. Um, and so we're actually seeing more growth by me focusing more on our community and less on marketing, like the latest marketing trend and things like that. Um, so the numbers I'm really watching now are our membership numbers, of course, um, our churn rate. So how how many people are leaving the membership site each month? Profitability has been really important for me. I and I love spending money. Just put it out there. Love spending money and hiring me people. Too. So <laughs> I really have to kind of watch that and make sure that we're staying profitable and keeping our expenses under control. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. I'd love to get some listener questions yeah. now. So if you are with us live and you've got a question about anything we've covered here with Michelle already today, maybe something you want to find out more of the details on, or maybe there's something I haven't covered with Michelle that you want to hear more about, go ahead and use that ask a question button under the video area. And we will get to those questions in just a moment. Um, but first we have one already from Nadia. She says, I'd love to know more about how you knew you were interested in both having a studio as well as teaching other designers? Was this an organic process or a bit more planned? What were the priorities in your life and business as you made these transitions? It was very organic. I never wanted to be a teacher. I had no aspirations of doing this. So when I left my full-time corporate job and I started freelancing as a designer, I had time in between clients. And one client said, um, how how do I know that you're keeping on top of the trends? So I started blogging for that reason. And then I started receiving lots of questions from designers. So many so that I was spending all of my day answering emails from other designers. And so that's when I thought, hey, I should really be packaging this in a course because it's just going to save everyone time and would be a better learning experience. So that's how the teaching happened. Nice. All right. Uh, Frank asks, uh, what benefits are you getting from the Surtex newsletter? So maybe um, some, speci some specifics yeah. beyond just exposure? So they're paying me each nice. month. Nice. So good. good. <laughs> um, we've, we have a free booth at the Surtex show. Um, I think those are the tangibles. And then, yeah, just getting to meet all the different people has just really been so exciting for us. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned though, that they're paying you yeah. because I, I know I've, I've had a lot of people ask me about my partnership with creative live over the years and ask me the same thing. Do, do they pay you? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I make them a lot of money. <laughs> so yes, they do pay me. Um, but I think that when you're presented with one of those big exposure opportunities, one where, you know, you're getting in front of really the exact right people. It's, it's not, right. it's not cheap exposure, right? It's like that really rich, ex really valuable, rich exposure but it can be um, it can be really tempting to say, oh, I don't need to get paid for this. Right. This will be enough. Yes, right. you also need to get paid for it. It is time. Definitely. It is energy. And you are creating something valuable for your partner in that case. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm just so glad that 
you are getting paid <laughs> <laughs> and that you let us know, know that. So um, tell us more about what you're working on right now. Is anything new coming out this year or are you still are you sticking with optimizing what you've got? Yeah, we're just sticking with optimizing. Um, the studio is growing. And so that's something we're thinking about bringing on a sales representative to help with that and to help begin to market our textile design lab member work. And so that's really the big thing on my radar is just kind of getting this whole cycle really nailed down where we train the designers in the lab and then now we're bringing their work to market. Um, So I'm trying to get that cycle really uh, well running. And then, yeah, just continuing to simplify that's incredible. And where can we find out more about Pattern Observer and the Textile Design Lab and, and just more about your work in general? Yeah. So you can find me at patternobserver.com and then our membership site, the textiledesignlab.com and say Oops. hi through social media. I like chatting. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely follow her on Instagram. We've been talking a lot about Instagram inside co-commercial lately, and I love your Instagram feed. Even though it has nothing to do with my world at all, it's just, it's one of those bright spots in my Instagram feed all the time. Ah, thank you. That's awesome to hear. Totally. Well, Michelle Fivis, thank you so much for this great conversation. Thank you for taking us behind the scenes of, of what's working to streamline your business. And as you mentioned, really increase that profitability and reduce your workload. I think that's absolutely huge. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tara. Absolutely. All right, guys. What Works is brought to you by Co-Commercial. At Co-Commercial, we put you in the driver's seat of your own small business journey. Instead of asking you to pay more every time you have a question or challenge in your business, all you need to do is ask. When you join our social and support network, especially for small business owners, you get unlimited access to hundreds of members with diverse experience, expertise, and backgrounds. You tell us what you want to know or find yourself struggling with, and we'll let you know what's worked for us. 60% of our members have been in business for three years or longer. 30% have been in business six years or longer. We're coaches, designers, photographers, strategists, community leaders, consultants, artists, lawyers, and educators. But what we all have in common is being founders and powerhouses in the new economy. Co-Commercial is your one-stop shop for answers, training, feedback, networking, and so much more. But you don't have to take my word for it. When you join us, you have 30 days to check everything out. If you don't believe that Co-Commercial gives you unparalleled opportunities for learning, networking, exploration, and discussion about what works in small business today, we'd love to refund your membership fee. Request your invitation today at cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. Thanks for listening to this special live episode of What Works. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening so you never miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share this podcast with someone you know who would appreciate it. Today's episode was produced by Shannon Paris and edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Tune in next time for another look at how small businesses actually work. Michelle, thanks. thanks. Bye, everyone. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.